Welcome to EdTech Examined, a series about educational technology and what you need to know. I'm Eric Christensen. And I'm Chris Hans. Welcome to another episode of EdTech Examined. Uh, today is one of our deep dive episodes, and Chris and I are going to be talking about Google Classroom. Are you psyched? <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things that I, I think you know Google has basically re-envisioned uh, what the learning management systems should operate like, and uh, just the user interface and everything. So it's uh, it, it's a totally different approach, and I think for those. Uh, educational institutions that are on the G Suite, uh, certainly something that uh, I think educators should take a look at as an option. Yeah, and it's something, uh, so we've gotten a few questions about, uh, we haven't gotten to our, uh, all the questions that colleagues uh, have, all the, sorry, all the notes that colleagues and uh, listeners have sent me about things to cover in these kind of mini deep dive episodes. But I know that learning management systems has come up as well as citation or organizational related stuff or hacks, not so much about um, pedagogy, but just how to use the tools and how to walk through them. So I'm not actually that familiar with Google Classroom. I can barely operate uh, Blackboard as it is because <laughs> I, I don't teach credit that often. So uh, it's not something that I'm an expert in, but I remember when Google Classroom came out, I think we got the preview when I was working at the University of Alberta, um, or you could apply for a preview or it came to like, like maybe it was AB tested a certain number of people. I remember when it came to the G Suite, uh, cause that was also, that is also a Google school. And there was this big interest in looking into it. I remember the first comments about a Google Classroom was that it was easy to use and it was nice, but it was limited. But my understanding is that there's a lot more to it now. There's a lot more that you can do with the system. So I guess I just want to ask you a few questions that, uh, or maybe your advice on how you lay out your courses, um, some best practices, and maybe some of your top features, if that's all right with you, Chris, yeah, you, no, you use it a lot. So yeah. maybe, did you want to tell people like what perhaps what you use it for, which classes and, and why? Yeah. I mean, so far I've only been using it for one course. Uh, and so last year, I mean, uh, really uh, the reason for it was uh, Rod Corbett, uh, he retired. And so uh, I took on a course, which he developed. Um, and so I, uh, you know, he was gracious enough to actually let me take on a bunch of his materials and so on. And uh, he was using Google Classroom. And that was my first kind of foray into it. And uh, even when I first started uh, using it last year, uh, I mean, there was features that I didn't even know about. Um, and I was actually doing certain things incorrectly because I didn't know about all the features. But, uh, you know, over time now I've uh, learned and I've adapted a few things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are limitations and I mean, I can kind of walk you through some of, so right now we are sharing, um, I'm sharing my screen just to kind of show uh, how we've set it up. But I, I think, uh, you know, maybe to your earlier point, uh, pedagogy certainly does come into play. And I, I think you need to kind of have uh, as a instructor educator, you need to kind of have that figured out. Uh, but I mean, uh, maybe I'll just show you. Uh, when you go down, so I have them set up in modules for each um, 
section of the course. And so there's, uh, I would describe in this course, so it's called creative creativity for the workplace or in the workplace. And uh, in this course, I, I would say that there's uh, high frequency, low stakes assignments. So there's something that they have to do every scheduled class. Um, and this is where I think there's a, a some of the the nice features with Google Classroom is that um, you know the students actually get reminders uh, from Google Classroom itself, and so that they know uh, when things have to be uh, put in place. But uh, I'll just go and show you. For example, here is so can uh, can I just ask a question first? Yeah, so all the yeah. mo all the modules. So they're like the interface. There's there's kind of a navigation where there's four aspects. There's stream, classwork people and grades so how do those sections work that's what i've never quite understood oh okay yeah no that's a good question so at, at the top there's the first option is that you have stream and so with stream uh it, anything that gets posted this uh, i would almost describe this as a, a kind of like let's say in facebook your timeline so hmm. here's all the things that I've posted uh, in terms of uh, when they've launched, like let's say quizzes or tasks that they have to do uh, related to class or the project. And then any announcements go in here as well. And so that's what the stream is. And so uh, every time something gets posted, the students are notified. And uh, to my knowledge, I believe they get uh, both a notification on Google Classroom as well as an email as well. So if they've set notifications up in the browser to allow it, it's just like Google Calendar, it'll pop up in their browser of choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or if they're logged into a Google uh, Classroom into the actual class, which uh, they probably should be. And then your classwork is where everything is set up. So this is where I have all the various modules. Uh, the people section, this is where you have to go and invite all the students. And uh, I mean, if you have maybe your co-teaching or what have you, you can also have uh, invite other teachers, but that's one thing. So what you, what I did is basically I went through our uh, Blackboard site, or you can go uh, through our general uh, kind of our instructor faculty uh, side of things and just grab everybody's email addresses, invite everybody. Uh, the other thing that I usually do is I, I actually go and take this code here. So you see how there's these little widgets so um, on the extreme page. there's like a big timeline and then at the top there's like a big title for the course and then to the left there's almost like a side panel so there's like a google meet you can generate a link there's a class yeah. code and then i guess the upcoming stuff that's due like a calendar yeah, yeah exactly so the, the first thing like that to google meet so i tried this before these last uh, two semesters this semester i didn't actually use google meet uh, generated through here and the reason why i didn't do it is because every time i would go and uh, have a uh, google meet generated through the classroom the recording that we would uh, set up would actually end up in whoever whichever student logged on first it would i and sometimes actually i even logged in first and i don't know how it would just end up in their google drive and so i just stopped doing that it, it was just mm -hmm. becoming a bit of a pain uh where uh, whereas if i go and create in my google calendar a google meet automatically the recording gets put into uh, my uh, google drive uh, meet recordings folder
And so that's why I didn't generate the the link. Maybe it's changed, but the, you know, I did this in fall 2020, winter 2021. And every time uh, it, it happened, uh, you know, every single time that I had synchronous sessions, it would end up in some students folder. And uh, it was just a, uh, a logistical kind of thing that I would have to go and get the file from them, upload it into my Google Drive, and then share it with everybody. But uh, anyways, the, this widget that you have right underneath, this is the class code. So this is where you can go and uh, create that. Um, it's, I believe it's already automatically generated when you set up your, uh, your classroom for whatever semester. And then you can copy this and then invite people into this. So what I just, I invite them by going and adding the students in the people section, but then I also post on Blackboard, that's what we use at Mount Royal University, an announcement to go and uh, sign up for Google Classroom because everything's going to be in there. Then uh, this panel right underneath this uh, upcoming. So this is what you know, students will have do. So right now they have a couple of things to do. Uh, you would go in there and this again, this is where something that you kind of have to go through and uh, uh, get oriented with. But even in terms of grading, this is the best way to go and grade is uh, actually through this panel, the upcoming. So view all, and then you would go into the various tasks. You can go and see all the students and you can go in and grade them one by one. And uh, the nice thing is, um, so for example, here, I'm just showing you uh, their tasks. And so this particular student actually didn't complete it, but let's, uh, let's just show you this is, this is their task for the, the project that they're working on. So I've uh, divvied it up where they're constantly working on their, their projects. And there's actually a rubric here on the side. You know, you can go and uh, put in based on, and you can customize those rubrics. So there's rubrics for each uh, one of the project tasks, the class tasks that I've set up. And then you can actually put in comments. When I go and put in a comment here and post it, it'll be posted within Google Classroom, but it'll also email the students. So then they are notified that way. And so- uh, And can they see, can the students see the rubric too, but like from a different view? Yeah, yeah. So they can see it on their side as well. Yeah, absolutely. Very uh, interesting. Yeah, the other limitation that I would say, because I do have them working on uh, one of the things just from a pedagogical standpoint, I have them put into Teams right away. So as of the first day of class, uh, so I send out announcements right away, uh, get everybody paired up. I've been using uh, as we had uh, that um, uh, interview with Tom O'Neill at the UFC, I used ITP metrics to form the groups. And then even if I have some students drop out, then I can adjust afterwards. But then that way they have one another to rely on, uh, to work on throughout the semester. And so uh, uh, it's a, a bit of a, a peer support, you could say. Um, but one limitation that we have in Google Classroom is that we can't set up groups and have the uh, assignments where uh, you know uh, where uh, one would go and submit for everybody, and so that's so you a, can't another... automatically generate a group. No, you can't do that. Uh, you can go and create like different assignments. Like basically, what I would have to do is create. You know, if I wanted to do that, I would have to uh, create that same assignment like seven times if I had seven groups. And which it's just, a, I think that's a logistical kind of nightmare that way. Uh, so that's why what I do is I just let them know if they do want to work in groups on certain activities, 
then just let make sure that you note down that uh, you know one person is submitting on behalf of the rest of the the group there and okay. also and then you just have to go in and mark that for everybody then exactly then i mark that and then i'll just uh, manually input the the grades for the rest of the people All right does that make sense yeah i yeah. like how it's simple when you, when you show me the sections, it's easy to get around. One of the things that I've noted, well, it depends on the version of Blackboard, I suppose, but um, I've used a lot of learning management systems, both uh, as a student, but also as like a professional development. So Canvas, for instance, has a lot of professional development online courses that they host, but there's, it always seems to me like they may have more functionality and I can see why Google Classroom maybe problematic because it's missing a few key things but it always seems like it's the interface is is from like a different era like it's a full it's a literal folder in a in a paper-ish looking tab from the side and there's like modules buried within things and if it's it's very difficult sometimes in blackboard i find even for me it's like how do i get back to the top level of this. So you know what I mean? It's almost like yeah. you're drilled down where Google Classroom, it seems a little bit more flat of a visual structure. So do you find students are able to navigate it uh, better than any of the other LMSs? Well, I'd like to think so. And uh, I, one of the things that I've included, uh, so in their first week, I actually give them, so you know, here's their first module. I actually give them some orientation videos and that's part of you know, they're just uh, work that they have to do for those class tasks just to orient themselves. So then they watch these videos. Uh, we work together on their first class task so that they know. And this is the nice thing with the G Suite. So we we can go and include so that I'm just showing you right here uh, their their assignments, the class tasks for the that particular day. They have a Google Doc. Uh, which everybody will receive a copy of. They can go and edit all this information. I also added, I embedded a Google slide here. And so I had uh, all of them. I mean, obviously this is online, so they didn't have to go and present. If it was in the classroom, maybe they would actually go and uh, present in front of everybody who their team members are. But this, uh, I, I give them some questions to go and do a little bit of a group activity together. And then they go and create the Google slide right here. And uh, so that's, uh, I, I like that integration that they have. I've also, uh, you probably saw, I think in that, um, in some of the project tasks and stuff, there's, uh, they actually can go and use uh, Google drawing and other kind of features as well. Uh, so you have those aspects. Um, and then their quizzes, I use Google forms for them. Interesting. So is there now Google Forms I've used for quizzing before? Is there an alternative in this to use? Or do you have to use Google Forms? Or do you choose to use that over another feature? Well, uh, originally, because the way that Rod had it set up, he used Google Forms. And this is another one of those limitations. So I uh, personally, in this course, uh, the the reason why the quizzes are there is more so to encourage um, them reading their readings that I have all up on medium.com. So there's no textbook for this course. And so for the, the creativity in the workplace, I have a medium blog uh, with all the various, um, you know, principles of creativity that they have to review. And the quizzes are open book. They, I give them an extended period of time. If it was in the classroom, they would basically do the quiz 
uh, you know, in the first, let's say 10 minutes um, or five minutes or whatever, and they would just do it in class. But then another thing that I do, and I'll, I'll just show you here. So this, um, I have this pre-quiz. So prior to the, the expectation is that, it, especially if it was in the classroom, that they would do the quiz on their own first. And then when they get into class, they would take 10 minutes and actually complete it with their group members. And this is why I'm saying to you that from a pedagogical standpoint, I, I think it's also um, important for you to kind of think about it. Like for me, it doesn't really make that much of a difference if they uh, have everything open book or what have you, because my intention is for them to go and read the, the principles. And that's why they're going and just to reinforce uh, what they were able to digest from uh, doing their readings and to encourage that. And that's why I say to you that there's like these kind of high frequency, low stakes, but one of the limitations with the, the Google forms is that from a, um, uh, I guess, quizzing standpoint, like, you know, how you can go and randomize and you can have timed uh, things. The only way to do that within Google classroom is having an external plugin and so that that is one limitation that plugin actually re requires uh, edit authorization into your google drive and so that's why yeah. i never enabled it um and so i mean i would think that google is probably eventually going to go and do that uh, but um, again for my purposes it doesn't really make too much of a difference i mean it's uh, it's interesting because um, one of the things that uh I actually have them, I allow the, the students to go and do this is uh, after each uh, module, they have a post quiz and they can go and repeat the quiz as many times as they want until they uh, are satisfied with their grade. And I'll let them know, uh, you know, which um, questions or, uh, you know, what principles that they might want to go and touch up on. Uh, again, uh, the in terms of from my side of things, it's more so that they have been able to grasp the concepts and, um, you know, the theory and everything, uh, and uh, just have that strong understanding. I also give them the option, uh, if, in, if uh, in the event that they're not happy with any one of the modules, they can also go and propose assignments. And uh, so I have that up here, I'll, sh I'll show you. You get a lot of uptake on that? Uh, some students uh, want to do it. Others just don't. Uh, I would say maybe there's like a handful of every semester. Um, so uh, here's uh, the alternative assignment proposal that they can go and do. Uh, if there's a, a section that they don't want, they basically send it to me as a Google uh, document and, uh, you know, give me a description of what they're planning on doing, what their tasks are, which uh, principles of creativity that they're looking to align and why they're proposing this. And some students, I mean, they, uh, if they're not doing that great on the quizzes, uh, they may want to go and propose that. And uh, that's perfectly fine. Cause again, the objective is to, especially I think in a course on creativity, it's uh, there is no one uh, size fits all. And I, I want to encourage that uh, creative uh, side of things. I guess another limitation as well, uh, I should let you know, uh, Eric, is that uh, from a grading perspective, like from their side as students, they, you know, I just showed you like this, um, uh, the grades and stuff, they do not have access uh, and to keep track of themselves. What I've done is I've actually created this mm. um, points tracker. And so that's the other thing. Again, this creativity course, it's uh, even when uh, I saw Rod's 
uh, course outline and the, just the way that he had it structured, it was, it's very different. And so one of the things from a, uh, the way that Rod did it um, from a pedagogical standpoint was um, he created uh, these points, which 10 points are the equivalent of 1% of the overall grade weight. But for some reason, the students, when when you go and put in these points, that gamification actually helps. And uh, it's it's funny, like they'll go over even a few points and it's like literally like point something percent, they will be willing to go and do that uh, extra work. And so anyways, uh, one of the limitations just to kind of keep track of where they're sitting and what their objective is grade wise, uh, Google Classroom doesn't really have, uh, you know, especially given the number of um, deliverables that they have in this course, it doesn't give you the the best tracking. And so then I we have this uh, Google Sheet where you start inputting your marks automatically. It'll and I mean they could even project, you know, uh, whatever they think that they're going to get, and it'll give them an idea of how many points that they're at because. Basically, they need 850 points to get an A in this course. And so that's so they the put other, in the points into the sheet. So, so they go and put in the points. It'll go and, you know, they can go and forecast what they're where they're sitting and it'll calculate that grade using this Google Sheet. So do they use this more to forecast or do they have to put in their actual points? Well, the, to they'll have they to did. yeah, they'll have to do it as well because the, otherwise they won't know where they're sitting until the end of the course. Does that make right. sense? Right. So that yeah. you're giving them a tool so where they can they can self-track. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, Interesting. one of the premises, I'm actually doing a SOTL study on this, but uh, one of the things, even though it's open book, even though, you know, here they are, they're going and doing uh, quizzes, like pre-quizzes with their teams and stuff like that. Uh, there's still some people struggle, some students struggle with the multiple choice. And uh, part of it is uh, we've done it on purpose is uh, they, we want to go or in this course, like the, the way that Rod and I, we chatted about this. Failure is a kind of a key ingredient in creativity, but yeah, Tom know, Henry talks about that. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, um, it's kind of, uh, it's one of those things like we keep, we sort of refer to uh, failure as a negative thing, but in this course, what the, what we're trying to instill, and that's why there's all these um, kind of high frequency, low stakes assignments is giving them the students an opportunity to fail and be okay with it. And, uh, you know, so if you, let's say even you bomb, uh, you know, their unit test, for example, is like 9%. If you get 50% on, uh, on that test, well, that's okay. Because if it's 9%, you got 50% on it, that's four and a half percent, right? You only need eight, uh, 85% to get an A in this course. So you still have like 15% that you could lose over that course of the, the semester. And so it's, uh, I think for some students, they find it very frustrating, uh, but that's uh, partly uh, just to kind of get them comfortable with not doing that great. It's, it's like, you know, you and I, um, Eric, we've chatted about this before. Uh, we want to instill uh, in the students that uh, instead of worrying about their grades, they should be worrying about their learning and what they're getting out of the course. 
And so as far as I'm concerned, anybody uh, taking this course should be able to get an A. Uh, but again, as you know, uh, people, they have, uh, especially at Mount Royal, I know a number of students that are working full-time and even going to school full-time. And, uh, you know, with those demands on um, uh, their schedules, it uh, inevitably you're juggling all these balls and you're going to drop a ball or two, and then you got to be okay with uh, losing maybe a, a letter grade or two. But uh, it's interesting because yeah. it's kind of, you know, if you were to think about the workplace, it works very much like that. Like I have a handful of very high stakes things in a semester that make up my performance as an employee. But overwhelmingly, it's a lot of little things that I may mess up or succeed on on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Well, and here, I'll even show you like another thing. So they're, they're post-quiz. Remember how I told you that uh, they can go and repeat it as many times as they want, but I give them until 4.59 on Friday. And that's partly for my own sanity as well, because I, I tried it in the last year. I actually allowed them until midnight uh, on uh, the Friday and, you know, people would leave it down to the wire. And then all of a sudden I'm having to work over the weekend, just getting back to them, giving them that feedback. So uh, this uh, uh, and I, so I basically switched it in winter uh, 2021 and I've uh, done this again this semester. But I'm trying to with all of my courses, giving them times where it would be the end of workday and, you know, again, preparing them for that workplace because uh, employers are going to expect that. It's not that you're going to go and submit it at midnight. You're going to go and submit it by end of day, or maybe it's like, you know, first thing in the morning, it has to be there. Right. And so uh, uh, that's one of the things that across uh, all my courses, I make it like five or 6 PM uh, where the deliverables are due. Very interesting. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I had a question about generating Google documents. So for the yeah. course, you can gen it integrates well with Google suite. Um, do you create the documents the same way you go into your drive, create them and embed them, or can you create them right from classroom? Well, here, I'll, maybe I'll show you because uh, I actually have to kind of do this uh, this week. So one, because I've used the I've iterated now uh, I, it basically ports over, it copies over all the course materials from the previous shell. And then what I do is, uh, so right now here is, for example, there's the, the Google uh, Doc. So this Google Doc is sitting in my drive, right? I can go in here and edit it. And so probably what I would do is make a copy of this, right? So one of the things from a naming convention standpoint, I, I usually put like F21 for uh, fall 21. Then I would uh, I just go into my Google Drive, and so you'll see here I have um, all these little you know folders for all the various uh, uh, tasks and so on. So what I would do in this case, because they were there in the second unit, I would just go and put my master document in here, select it, and then I can go in and start making any kind of edits that I need to do. And for the most part, I don't think I'm going to change anything in this. Uh, it's, it's good to go. So they have the, you, you were asking me earlier, I actually repeat, like, let's say, for example, the late policies, how to go and submit the, the rubric it's in this Google doc, but then they can also see it on the other flip side as well. And mm. so each 
task or you know assignment they they will have uh, that information but this is again you need to go and think about that beforehand and so I, I think this is probably one of the best practices is to have duplication because inevitably students they have a lot on their mind and so having multiple places where that same information is available so anyways now i've i've saved that and so now i would go back in here and i would find that link in my google drive and so here's that uh, word document and you see how it uh, that fall 21 file is there and then here's one thing that I, I actually screwed up my first semester, I didn't realize. So you have the option where you can go and allow students view file, they can edit file. But in this case, I actually want to create a, a copy for each student. And so that's the option that I would go and uh, select. And so, you know, I showed you that uh, Google slide earlier. In that case, because I had all the students go and create team slides, all I needed to do was actually just give them this uh, second option of students can edit that one file. And so everybody in the class oh. would be able to edit that file. In so if it was case, like, so just to recap, if I had, let's say a module, I'm part of the assignment was a group thing. And I wanted them to put themselves in group and I groups, and I had like a document or a spreadsheet where they could do that. You'd want them all to edit one of them. So you'd be able to see from one document, everyone together but for individual like if it was like a template for an individual project to complete an assignment when they open it you can make it so it automatically opens as a copy exactly so what what it'll do is this uh, this option here this make a copy for each student so i put it in my master um you know folder uh, for that unit two for example in this case what it'll do when i go and you know select this and then afterwards i'll go and post this Right. I'm not going to do it right now, but, um, you know, when I post it, remember how there was all those other folders with the, for each class task. So it'll mm -hmm. create a file for each student within that folder. And so does each, it name it properly or does yeah. it just call it copy? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Let me just check my Google drive. Like, does it give it a name, like their name on it? So you know whose it is, or does it, I guess it's attached to their profile when they submit it. Yeah. I mean, I've never really had to look at it because uh, when they're submitting, uh, it just automatically attaches, but uh, let me just check my Google Drive while we're on that topic. I'm pretty sure it probably names uh, the things accordingly as well, but let me just double check here. I did notice one other thing is uh, when you do copy from semester to semester, like create a, a new shell uh, using previous there's sometimes errors that happen as well. And so not all the files uh, come up. And so usually what I do, yeah, see uh, the names there. So it puts a name and then a dash automatically. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, so it puts their name and yeah, so every student has their own. Although I, I don't know why this student didn't have it. It's weird. Maybe they changed the name or something. But, yeah. yeah, well, they'd be able to edit the document. Yeah, so they didn't yeah, use exactly. the default. Yeah, but it looks like, oh, wow. yeah, so automatically each student would have their name and then hyphen whatever that, that document is for that task. And it, it stores everything in this folder. Um, the other thing that you can do as well is, uh, let me just find the, where is it? Uh, the other thing you can do is you can also pre-schedule. Hmm. 
right? So if I wanted to, if you, you know, like in my case now I've iterated, but I still want to, for personally, what I do is I actually check every, uh, every week uh, before I actually, uh, you know, launch it or whatever, but I may go and pre-schedule it. Like for example, their post quiz, uh, what I do is I release it on Wednesday morning. Uh, so then, you know, they can't just jump to it. They have to go and do the previous, uh, you know, tasks and, uh, you know, assignments in chronological order before they can start attempting that quiz. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you can go and pre-schedule, you can put a, a due date, you know, if when you go and select that due date, it'll go and pick that time. And then you can select uh, uh, the actual time for it as well. You can also put it, uh, you see how here, I mean, I don't have to worry about this in terms of the topic because it's already in uh, the various modules. Uh, but you can also move it around or what have you. Uh, actually, from an interface standpoint, that's another thing that's kind of interesting is literally you can drag things up and down. So, oh, wait, what did I just do there? Oh, yeah. So you see how I went to the top? So you can just so drag you can drag stuff. things between each module, yeah, the order. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that a lot rather than using that like button on the side of files to advance them slowly. Yeah, this is much faster. I had a question about because it's an interesting the file formatting thing has come up in the past. I did some uh, research at the university, kind of internal, just to see technical skills. And one of the things I, I noticed when I talked to my colleagues was that um, file naming conventions and working with file formats is is a skill that because of mobile devices and things being web based or people are just not as familiar with how to format them or work with the minutia of different kinds of documents and name them in a human readable context to somebody else because we don't do it that much maybe you just fill in text boxes on the web on on so uploading documents through a system like blackboard was a little bit more challenging because people would upload the wrong file format or they would they would just be called untitled you know when you create a new yeah. google doc and it's called untitled and they have like a million untitled in their Google Drive because you're not you can have the same name document over and over again, and then they would upload that. So I, I do like that it uh, assigns a name to it. Yeah, but see, this uh, is guess... one of the one of the reasons. If you look at, uh, you might be wondering, like, look at how I have like module eleven, for example, right? The reason for that is exactly to that point that you're talking about from a naming convention. Because if I put, let's say, module one then when it's going to be organizing everything, if I have, uh, you right. know, more than two digits, then it, it might screw up the actual, you know, uh, document in terms of where it organizes things. Right. And, uh, as you know, like if, if you're going to be going at least two digits, uh, you, then I have room up to like 99. Right. And it's the same thing if you look below here. So like I had this module 11 document um, and actually maybe I'll just show this to you. So and again, this is where I think you have to think about it from an organization standpoint. But I give them so I've released actually for the whole semester. They have these module uh, guides. And so they know what's expected of them, when it's supposed to be due, what are their readings, what they should recall, where the readings are, because I actually have them on Medium. And then I don't want them to go and have to have a subscription. So I've given them friend links um, to Medium, how to go and submit the documents and so on. Right. And so this is again, where I mentioned to you, like having that repetition, but this gives them that standardization. They know what to expect uh, beforehand for each week. 
Um, and then, so I have that starting off uh, and that gets that, that was posted at the beginning of the semester and then they'll have their class tasks. Everything will be self-contained in here. They have a rubric for it, you know, then they have their project task and then their post quiz. So your modules for your course, do they go in reverse chronological order? So the most recent module that they're working on when, once it becomes posted, goes to the top. Exactly. Yeah. So, you, so, they, so they don't have to scroll down to 24 every single time. It's always at the very top, the most recent. Well, that's, that's how I've organized it. And so that's, again, you would have to think about idea. that beforehand because I, I, I just go and think about like from a user standpoint and uh, you know, my users are my students, what would they want to do? Would they want to go and scroll all the way down here or would they just want it to be coming up at the very top uh, when they click on their classroom? And um, one of the things that I, uh, put at the very top are all their course documents, right? So they have their syllabus, uh, so it's like know, the, the textbook it's pinned right to the top. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's not really pinned. It's, it's more so it's, uh, you know, put at the top, uh, for them. Uh, but, um, you know, I've, I've basically moved it to the top, uh, because that's something that they should, uh, if they ever need to refer to, right. Uh, especially, yeah. actually another thing that I've done as well is, uh, as part of that gamification and uh, you know the pedagogical approach, I actually allow them as part of their project uh, tasks the opportunity to get bonus marks. And so I uh, and I'll maybe even I'll show you. Um, here's, and so this is as part of their project uh, tasks that they would have. So here I'll just bring up one. And so at the very bottom of each page when they're doing their project tasks. They have this optional thing. Not every student worries about this and does it, but they can either email me or text me a question that they have. And so then I take that question, they get one mark for it. And so, I mean, again, for those students who are maybe worried about losing some percentages, they have an opportunity every week to get an extra mark. And that, that one mark might make the difference of... Uh, well, adds up if you do yeah. everything right. Yeah, exactly. It might be a, an extra percent or two or what have you. But the the real reason that I'm doing this is so that they don't um, hesitate in terms of uh, contacting me. Um, you know, if, not everybody probably would want to do this as an instructor. Uh, but uh, you know, again, even just like text messaging. Um, I think a lot of students, they're on the go. I mean, one thing, sometimes, especially I get busy as well. And I, but, you know, at least you have that line of communication open, but you know, how I mentioned to you, I have the uh, uh, post quizzes where they can go and repeat it as many times as they want up until Friday at five. So students typically they'll just go and text me, Hey, I've just finished the quiz. Can you take a look at it? And so then I'll, I'll quickly just take a look. I mean, Fridays I'm usually off anyway, so it's not a, a big deal. Um, uh, or at least I try to keep things open on Fridays, uh, but that way I can go and, you know, instantaneously give them some information. I compile all of those uh, bonus questions. And then when I have a chance, I'll go and respond to them. And I have a document that I've uh, put at the very top again, uh, the, that bonus Q and a, my plan is maybe in the future, I might actually take these uh, question and answer uh, things from students and maybe we might, uh, evolve that textbook and maybe create something different. So I had a, I had a couple questions. So the first is that the, the readings and medium, you wrote all the readings, didn't you? 
Well, I, I, I basically, it was something that uh, uh, Rod Corbett, he wrote all of them and added uh, principles every year. And so now we're up to 29 principles. And so, so far I haven't, uh, I've just kind of edited what he had. I haven't uh, gone and, uh, you know, uh, put my own spin because uh, I just haven't had time. Uh, is know, it public on Medium or is it yeah. invite only? No, it's, it's public. And so, but the, as you know, with medium, one of the things is if you, uh, especially with these students, they have to go in every week. Right. And so, uh, after a certain, uh, time period, if you click on medium too many times, it'll start prompting you for a subscription. And so what like I did, pay? yeah, you would have to pay for it. And so one of the things that I've done is I've provided my students, uh, friend links. So it is available. Anybody can go and check check it out. But uh, after a while, maybe you click on like four or five articles, and then it'll start prompting you for um, uh, subscription. Is so, that for all posts now, or just some? I'm not sure how it works, but obviously, you know, Medium is in the business of making money. So I, I find uh, for myself a lot of times, if I come across some article, it's uh, I'm getting prompted as well. But the work around it is just to open it up again in you know private uh, mode uh, or incognito mode. I repost a bunch of stuff on Medium, but they don't give me any money, so I'm like, oh, maybe I should do this. <laughs> so maybe well i mean you can go and have paid posts as well right where they'll actually pay oh you. but i i have to upload like my tax information to the u.s government screw that yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm never gonna i'm never gonna give the irs my information if i don't have to um I, another question i had uh so with google classroom this is kind of off topic from your course but is it possible to set up modules so they appear once you've completed the previous one i like like you you mean like um sort of um like i know some lms systems where you, once you've progressed using like you know you go through one section of the course it automatically checks it off and then you would advance to the next uh, portion is that yeah, something along those lines. I'm kind yeah. of curious, like if you were to make like a course, I, I'm trying to think, I've, I've been thinking about this idea of uh, if you wanted to make a totally self-contained, you know, you enroll yourself, you you take your own assessments, uh, you complete the modules at your own pace. Is Google Classroom a platform that can facilitate a totally uh, automated system? Yeah, and I I don't think it can. And maybe their plans are like in the future, but I mean, there are other platforms because especially this past, uh, you know, year and a half or so, uh, there's a number of people that are developing their own courses. And, it, uh, you know, um, again, there is, uh, there's a number of like Teachable, for example, and there's other kind of, uh, you know, platforms where you can go and do that and even charge people for accessing those course materials. Um, in this, uh, I mean, maybe they're they're thinking of that in the future. I don't see any options on, on my side. Um, so, just a curiosity. I, I I know that's outside the scope. I'm just kind of curious to see. Perhaps not as good as Udemy or Coursera for a self guided system, but an interesting nonetheless. Right? I'm impressed. Yeah. No, it is. It, it, again, they've you know, uh, kudos to Google. Is probably one of their uh what is it like a one a day or whatever 20 percent a day kind of projects on the side and uh, they 
completely as far as I can see, like just from, like you mentioned, like the UIs. I mean, I've now worked with uh, three different uh, LMS systems, um, you know, Blackboard, Moodle, I've used uh, D2L, uh, Desire to Learn. And this user interface is way better, much more cleaner, modern than any of those. And, um, you know, but again, there's those limitations that I talked about. And I I guess really what you need to do is um, in some ways you have to kind of rethink how you would go and work around those limitations and uh, adapt it. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I, I could install that plugin and then do that quiz kind of thing, but obviously like something like Blackboard or D2L, uh, they have much more rigorous, uh, functionality for doing that uh, within uh, like if you wanted to have a test uh, that's automated and randomize all the questions and um, even uh, having times uh, where it's a it's a timed kind of assessment I don't have that functionality in here and so but personally I don't uh, uh, from a pedagogical approach I don't need to worry about that because uh, that's that was that's not the really the point the point is uh, if they are getting the information and learning uh, the concepts accordingly so that's super cool I really appreciate you walking me through how you do it I know I've had uh, a number of questions about Google Classroom and I I can't really help people because I haven't done it so this is very helpful for me I feel that I could probably even go put something together. One of the ideas I had was that I've had a bunch of library instruction modules and I've created videos, as you know, and documents over the years. And I'm like, I wonder if I could just build like a public Google Classroom where it's like you work through the module uh, and this is just like a thing to do your for yourself for the for the students on campus to put everything together. Yeah. Well, and, and for the most part, so even uh, that's the other thing, given that we're online right now and that's one of the reasons why i actually put the students into groups right away like there's been a care a lot of careful thought put into all the activities and the the students are working on those activities if they ever need any assistance i mean it's it, for the most part it's asynchronous and so they you know they have all these detailed instructions they have to work through do various tasks but if they ever need i'm there you know we just have to go and set up a google meet and we can go and connect and uh but i, I think the students appreciate it as well because then they have that flexibility like the, this class is scheduled for 8 30 in the morning i give them from midnight until you know uh well, basically midnight till 11 59 to go and complete the things and i i release the information uh usually uh, the week before and so then they have everything i mean i've seen some students uh they get together like let's say monday morning for their class tests and they finish uh the class tests for both monday and wednesday on the same day within that uh, time period with their classmates right which should you know good on them if they want to do that and there's others that go and do it in that pre-scheduled time on the monday and the wednesday others just maybe they do it later on maybe they're busy with something or maybe there's a project and so i give them that latitude uh you know and uh, at the end of it uh, one of the things that especially with the uh, pandemic you know you kind of have to think about uh, giving some flexibility i mean i have uh, there's been situations where uh, you know there's been students that have uh, un uh, or extenuating circumstances and so what i do especially like the quizzes once i release the marks that's it 
right? Like everybody will, it's public at that point. And so uh, I'll just maybe hold back on some of those things and, uh, and then release it afterwards. But typically what would have happened is if they don't finish it within those two days, they would have gotten a zero on it, right? And I, I think that's quite normal for anything if you don't get the thing submitted. I mean, that, again, that's one of, you know, we've chatted about this offline. I mean, academia and just going to school, one of the purposes was to get people ready for the workforce. And, and we talked uh, about that in our forecast, there are forecast episode for 2021. Yeah. We had a discussion about that. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, I think the, it'll be interesting, especially like as uh, now many companies have gone to remote you know, it's, it's really going to be more about, um, getting that work completed. And it's not going to be a matter of, uh, you know, doing things uh, within a, um, a nine to five kind of time period. It's just, here's the work. It's going to be more about, uh, reaching objectives and, um, you know, uh, showing your, your kind of, uh, value that, that you're bringing to the organization. Yeah, I agree. Well, with that, that's probably a good place to stop. I'm sure the listeners or our listeners will be very happy or uh, will learn a lot, I should say, about how to use Google Classroom. So I appreciate you walking it through it with us. Yeah, my pleasure. And maybe we'll include some links as well that I have uh, in our show notes so that people can kind of see uh, how I orient the students um, and so on. Absolutely. You can learn more about EdTech Examined by going to our website, edtechexamined.com. There, you'll find ways to subscribe, as well as host information, our social media accounts, and our blog posts. Our blog posts are also published through Medium on the EdTech Examined publication. You can contact EdTech Examined by emailing us at hey at edtechexamined.com. If you have an EdTech question you'd like us to answer on a future episode, you can email us or reach us through Twitter using the hashtag EdTechOfficeHours. You can find EdTechExamined on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at EdTechExamined, and we also have a LinkedIn page you can follow. Until next time. And I'm Chris Hall the audio producer for EdTech Examined. You can get in touch with me and contact me through all of my social media at my website, which is chrishong.ca. That's C-H-R-I-S-H-O-A-N-G dot C-A.